What is up, Level Up Nation? And welcome to the February 1st edition of OTN's Level Up Live, your home for the hottest takes in gaming news. My name is Fiasco, you can call me John, and I am joined, as always, by the king of the courtside, Joey. What's up, buddy? John, doing well, doing well. We're both running a little low on energy today. Uh, It's been a long week. Uh, We've made it to the end, though. A lot to talk about in gaming. Thank you guys, as always, for those tuning in here with us live. Uh, once again, we did not do the greatest job marketing the show today. Um, and that's probably why 99% of our listeners are on the podcast. But we're going to continue to get better at that. We're going to continue to bring more of you guys to the live show. So you guys can see all the fun little videos and screenshots and facial reactions John and I have here. Uh, with that being said, John, uh, we do have a nice slate to go through today. Absolutely. But before we figure out what in the world we're talking about, Joey, just a few homework Oh, a few pieces of homework that we're going to assign to Level Up Nation. Nation, if you're not doing so already, you are missing out. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, or X, or whatever it's called. Threads, Instagram, all that stuff. OTN Media, that is the handle, except for Instagram and Threads. It's OTN underscore media. Why? We don't know. Uh, someone else has that handle. So don't bully <laughs> them. We don't want you to bully them, but we would like that handle. So if you're listening and you have that handle, slide into my DMs. Or Joe's. Oh. Uh, while you're on X slash Twitter slash Insta slash thread slash yes, uh, follow join myself at Corsair King and at Fiasco for the latest and greatest in hot takes in gaming news throughout the week. Get our instant reaction to the breaking news on social media. We dive deeper into that on the podcast every week. So if you want those live reactions as soon as it happens, social media is the place to be. A nation, the other place to be is here on Twitch. Joey touched on it a little bit. We're horrible at promoting this. Uh, but if you're listening to the podcast version of the show, uh, thank you. Uh, but Twitch is the place to be. But have no fear. We understand everyone has lives and obligations in their life. That's why we have the podcast version. Check out the Level Up podcast available on your podcatcher of choice. Extra credit. Yes, it's still around. School is starting back up for people around the world uh, and the country. I mean, maybe we're a week or two behind on that one. But still, nonetheless, it's back in session. Which means... Your extra credit assignment is use that Amazon Twitch Prime sub, whatever they're calling it this week, on OTN Media. Earn Joey's love and affection and a back scratch. Uh, use that on OTN Media today. All right, Joey, what in the world are we talking about today on tonight's edition of Level Up Live? John, I think we're going to talk about how delayed you are in that back-to-school announcement. Didn't I, most people go back like the first or second week of January? Uh, college went back like a week and a half ago. Okay, so I'll give you that one then. I think Australia might have just gone back. Maybe they're still out even. Uh, But they do that whole full year schooling thing. With that being said, we're going to do that full gaming topic thing tonight. (laughs) Uh, Quite a bit to touch on. Okay, don't laugh at my transitions. Uh, State of Play. PlayStation's kind of the highlight of this week. They have their big State of Play. 15 plus plus PlayStation games shown. Uh, On top of that, we have a rumor of a handheld in the works. So we'll dive into that rumor, as well as that state of play, what kind of stood out to us, and maybe some other things to expect from PlayStation as the year goes on. On the Xbox side of things, we have a new controller collection. We'll briefly dive into before talking about the new head of Activision Blizzard, uh, giving, or rather, the president of Blizzard Entertainment. John and I will give our new thoughts on that one, uh, as well as how Joanna can maybe move into that position 
some pros and cons of that change. We're, of course, going to talk Pal World, the biggest game in the world right now, just continuing to jump up number-wise. We have some earning reports from EA, Capcom, Microsoft, and a few other little goodies as the show goes on. Um, but, John, overall, a lot of PlayStation talk on today's episode. All right. So someone call Pot of Luck and get him in here. It's all it's, it's, it's I'll get all the Sony ponies in here. Uh, for today's episode, we're going to have a good one here for you. All right, Joe, we have our topics, but before we head into it, it is time for the drink of choice. Now, last night, Joey, you allowed me to sample a very delightful bourbon uh, while I was over at your place uh, when we failed to build your desk. Um, <laughs> we're not going to go into that. That's a story for another time. That, that That's for uh, level up after hours. Um, but nonetheless, uh, it's time for a drink of choice, sir. Uh, what is your beverage of choice? John, I am still on water. I really Ooh. thought about bourbon tonight, um, but my liver is still recovering from my NyQuil and DayQuil weeks of the last couple of weeks. That doesn't affect So kind of giving it a little, little bit more time uh, to mellow out, and then from there, hopefully a drink in hand next week. All right, I'll carry it. Uh, Joey, straight from the mountains of Virginia, Ooh. filibuster, uh, one of my favorite local uh, distilleries here. It's their straight bourbon whiskey. Uh, dual cast finished in a French oak barrel. It is delicious. I'm going to go ahead and say nutritious, rocking that in the George Mason uh, glass as well. We're going to take a little sip. I've had it before. It's absolutely delightful. It is fantastic. Joey, we have our topics. We have our beverages. So it is time to get into our first section here in gaming esports news. But before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by GamerBytes, bite-sized gaming news delivered weekly directly to your inbox. Sign up today otnmedia.org slash gb sign up joey all you <laughs> ah beautiful stuff okay guys we're gonna jump right into playstation sadly no big nintendo news this week but i have heard rumors of a direct next week they do have that mario and donkey kong game coming out i think about mid-february if i remember correctly so very very good chance we get some kind of nintendo director nintendo announcement next week with that being said over to PlayStation, we have the monthly games coming out in the bundle for this week's PlayStation Plus subscribers. Those will be Foam Stars, Roller Drome, and Steel Rising, all playable February 6th. So if you guys are PlayStation Plus members, make sure to pick those up before they go away. Um, and just a reminder, uh, two of those will be available on PS4 as well. Those two are Foam Stars and Roller Drome. Steel Rising will that be that PS5 exclusive in this month's bundle. Over to the state of play. John, we got our first state of play from Sony a couple weeks after the Xbox Developer Direct, which gave us a nice look into the Xbox first party uh, for 2024. Again, not every game shown. There could be some surprises throughout the year, but a nice slate of what we know was coming there shown early in the year. PlayStation giving us something similar, a little bit more third-party heavy than what we saw from the Microsoft. Uh, with that being said, I think this is full of some pretty cool games. A nice variety of games as well, different styles, different genres. Uh, and we did get a little bit of first-party action as well. Let's dive into that first. Death Stranding 2 on the beach. Kojima made another appearance here in the state of play. Feels like he's everywhere right now. He's got Death Stranding with PlayStation. Then he goes over to Xbox. Now he's got Death Stranding 2 on PlayStation. There's a Death Stranding movie in the works. And we even heard rumors of him working on an action espionage game with PlayStation as a new future IP, probably not landing until the PlayStation 6. With that being said, we did get a new trailer for Death Stranding 2 on the beach. I'll be honest, I never played Death Stranding 1. I've thought about it a few times. I've heard it takes a good 8 to 10 hours before the game starts getting any good. Uh, that, to me, is somewhat of limited gaming time. Is kind of a hold back up front. 
Uh, but it is Kojima, so I probably will dive in eventually. Uh, with that being said, John, man, this was a trippy freaking trailer. <laughs> I loved it. I, I mean, this is uh, this is classic vintage Kojima right here. He is not afraid to be weird. He's not afraid to be himself. He's not afraid to put things in a game he wants to have in a game. I mean, he's he's done this forever. I mean, he's he's the master of the cutscene. He's the master of stealth. He he's the master of wackiness and and pushing the the psychological boundaries and you know playing tricks on uh, his his uh, his the the people playing his game, the gamers out there. I mean, Joy. I mean, I I still remember as a kid playing Metal Gear Solid, going up against Psycho Mantis. The idea of having to plug your controller in the second controller port to defeat Psycho Mantis. I mean, that's that's next level thinking. That's what Kojima has made a career on, is thinking outside that box, making people think uh, the obscure or, 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 or the weird, the, the out of the box. I mean, who would think a, a real-life solution, i.e. changing your controller port, would have an effect in-game? Uh, it's, it's next world. Um, and, and we saw that also uh, in um, his presentation at the Game Awards, uh, with uh, his new uh, title coming up that's going to be on Xbox as well. So so this trailer being weird was not a shock to me. And, and anyone who's followed his career, it's definitely not a shock. And I absolutely freaking love it. The graphics look great. It's incredible. Uh, I think if you're a fan of Death Stranding, uh, this is going to be right up there. This expansion looks absolutely nuts. And again, makes me regret not having a PlayStation 5 to play this game. <laughs> Yeah, it will be coming to PC eventually. Again, we don't know, though. It's definitely going to be a launch exclusive for PlayStation. Uh, with that being said, yeah, it looks phenomenal. Weird as hell, but definitely phenomenal. Uh, and it's just, it's like you said, John, it's been Kojima's career, right? Everything he has done has been unique. It's been different. Even a game like Metal Gear that maybe doesn't bring something. I mean, it started the genre. You can't even say it didn't bring anything crazy. Um, but it does bring those little quirks as well as some other nice twists. Death Stranding definitely taking things much farther than Metal Gear in the sense that it is much more obscure, much more weird to think about as a topic in general. And I think we're going to see even more obscurity. I don't know about with the PlayStation 6 title that comes out, the action espionage, what he's planning there. It's just too early to tell. Um, but with that Xbox One, there's definitely going to be a lot of weird, uh, I would say, new innovations for the industry uh, at the very least. So I think it'll be very interesting to continue to watch Kojima's career and how he continues to kind of merge video games with movies, um, but still keeping them plenty playable, plenty interesting, and plenty uh, obscure and mysterious altogether. Yeah, Joy, Halo had the alien invasion called the Flood. In this game, you have a real flood that you have to run away from on the banks of that river. How about that? Yeah, it is going to be wild. I mean, some beautiful <laughs> set pieces, especially cinematically speaking. Like, if you guys are here with us on Twitch, we just saw some sneaking. We saw a big moon. We saw a mountain, kind of. It wasn't an avalanche because it was in a desert setting, but there was definitely a lot of, like, rocky outcropping sliding down. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. It is definitely going to be a cinematic experience with a lot of really fun mechanics, I have a feeling. Next up is a game a lot of people have on their shortlist for Game of the Year this year, and that's Dragon's Dogma 2. We haven't seen a new Dragon's Dogma game in quite some time. The original dropped in 2012. Uh, now, many, many years later, over a decade later, we will be seeing Dragon's Dogma 2 come out. Uh, this was probably one of the best trailers in the showcase for me. I thought this was just really well done. 
Really nice combat display. Uh, it looked fluid, but it looked fun. Some of the other combat that was shown looked a little wild and out there for some of the other games, which I think is completely fine. Um, but I think a lot of people like that nice grounded combat, uh, similar to the style we saw in Elden Ring a couple years ago, similar to the style we've gotten in some other games, um, like Skyrim to some degree. And Dragon's Dogma does a nice job of kind of combining a bunch of those, but also keeping what it had in the original game with its nice spellcraft action as well. And I think this game, uh, from set pieces to combat, is going to be one to watch when it comes out later this year. Currently set for a March release date. That dragon looks wild. It's so well graphically designed, too. Like, you can tell the scales in that thing. But also, like, the archery system. I think the archery system's crazy looking. Like, how it shows different arrows, and you can shoot a volley at once, and it kind of, like, spreads out. It's really hard to describe without you guys seeing it. Definitely recommend watching the trailer. Um, but some really cool kind of mythical creatures combined with skills here and there. So Dragon's Dogma 2, keep an eye out for that one. Uh, we got a quick little look at Helldivers 2. Not going to dive too much into that because there's going to be plenty of promo material as this one is coming out this month, as is Foam Stars. So jumping over those two to Judas. Uh, Judas is going to be a crazy one. Uh, this one is third party. It's coming out on multiple consoles at launch, including Xbox, um, PlayStation with the marketing rights for this one. Uh, this comes from Ghost Story Games the new company that is under Ken Levine, who previously did Bioshock. Two of those Bioshock games won a ton of awards. Uh, another one was up for plenty of awards as well. So Ken Levine, while uh, he has had some questionable working back-end staff experiences, uh, he definitely gets the job done in the creative department, regardless of how shaky it may be to get there. Uh, Judas set to be another big game in his umbrella. Uh, this is a little bit more horror-like that I personally like, typically, and John and I typically sway a little bit farther away from the horror genre, um, but this one also has kind of that mysterious edge to it. It makes you think about some of the choices, similar to how Bioshock did and how the story evolves around you in Rapture. Um, I'm still a little bit... Uh, I don't quite know the full setting of Judas yet and exactly what the whole plan is here, um, but we did get a new trailer, and I think this is going to be one on a lot of people's radar as we move forward. Is it bad the first thing I thought of was the Lady Gaga song, Judas? <laughs> I, I mean, know. I could see the relation, you know? It's always a possibility. Judah! Okay, we're good. <laughs> it's trippy, though. I, can, I can't really tell. I don't know if you get much more of a vibe from this, uh, exactly what we're looking at with this trailer. It just no feels idea. like there is a lot going on, and there's a lot of question marks. It definitely, art style-wise, while it is different, you can tell there are vibes from similar to what we got from Bioshock, and I think some of that is going to be a bit of a comparison moving forward once this game does eventually release. Trippy, trippy. Uh, let's keep it moving. We did get a look at a new Metro game. I don't think we necessarily need to play the trailer for this one, um, but it is a new Metro game, and it is VR. Uh, a lot of people super stoked when they saw it was a new Metro game, and then they saw it was VR, and it's like, mm, maybe not as excited anymore. Uh, unfortunately, VR is still one of those things that hasn't quite picked up as a mainstream thing yet. Uh, slowly continuing to make its way up, but the cost and affordability right now, uh, it doesn't seem like VR is available to the masses mainly because of that giant price tag you have on the, well, for one, the device to see through, the goggles, um, but two, whatever you're going to connect it to, whether it's a PlayStation 5 or a computer, uh, VR is definitely an expensive cost still at the moment, but Metro Awakening for those on VR, that might be one to look forward to. Rise of the Ronin, this was a big game that PlayStation went out and marketed as part of this showcase. Uh, this is going to be an exclusive for PlayStation 5, at least at launch for consoles, from Team Ninja and Capcom. Capcom just doesn't seem to miss lately, um, but Rise of the Ronin is one of those games. I think you just scrolled past it, by the way, John. It's a little bit north of Silent Hill there. Um, Rise of the Ronin, I think, is going to bring that kind of samurai edge to the setting here. And we've seen a few samurai games do quite well in the past. 
With that being said, this one takes a different graphical spin to it. It's much more um, realistic, photorealistic than some of the more artistic samurai games we've had lately. Um, I think this one could be very interesting. We saw Ghost of Tsushima do very well on this platform. Obviously, these are different games. The combat engine is going to be different between the two. Uh, with that being said, we've seen one samurai game do extremely well on PlayStation. It's possible that a second one could as well, and Rise of the Ronin is set to release, I believe, in March of this year. Good time. Sneaky Samurai. Um, again, not the biggest horror game fan, but for the horror game fans out there, this was a big one. We got two looks at Silent Hill. The first one, Silent Hill, the short message, available for download now. Uh, you guys can go through there and kind of get a nice little sample of what the new Silent Hill will be like with Silent Hill 2 when the next mainline game does eventually release. I don't remember if we got a date on this one. Um, I can try to skip to the end of the trailer and see, but overall, if you're a horror game fan, Silent Hill is one of those... Uh, I wouldn't say founding franchises, but definitely a franchise that a lot of people look back on. A lot of people look for inspiration in the horror genre. So there's new age horror games. It's very likely that some elements will were pulled or at least inspired by the franchise of Silent Hill. Very, very creepy game um, for the horror and thriller fans out there. Um, but yes, Silent Hill, the short message available now to play. Go ahead and download it whenever you're available. And Silent Hill 2 coming on later. Uh, John, did you ever play any of the original Silent Hill games? I never got around to those. Way, way back Love in the day. for horror games. Yeah, yeah. Well, way back in the day. Um, and also they have the uh, arcade shooter version like that. They'll set up like Time Crisis with the action pedal uh, mm -hmm. back in the arcades. Uh, that's where I mainly played Silent Hill. Uh, I didn't even realize they had a... Yes, sir. Yeah, the arcade version. I feel like I have seen that now that you mentioned that. I definitely did not play it, but I think I remember seeing it. <laughs> Came and played it in public? Are you, are you that much of a scaredy cat? I think that's even worse than playing in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've just never been a big horror game fan, um, but I know this is a big one. This is one a lot of horror game fans have been looking to forward to for feels like years now, maybe even close to a decade at this point, um, but a very, very long time at the very least. Next up, we have Sonic X Shadow Generations. Uh, this one was teased. A lot of people ended up leaking this one ahead of time that there would be a Sonic game at this particular event. Uh, I personally, I enjoy Sonic games. I'm not always the first to go out and buy them, but I do love me some Shadow the Hedgehog, and I think this is great to see Shadow making his return. Um, sure, John is a big fan of Shadow as well, so it's nice to see him kind of back in the mix. Hey, speaking of Shadow, <laughs> Shadow, Shadow making, making a guest appearance, appearance tonight. Look at that, <laughs> racing his way on to level up. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, but yeah, Sonic Shadow Generations, like I was saying, not always out there the first to buy a Sonic game, but I love the fact that Shadow is making his appearance in this one. And I feel like Sonic games lately have just continued to build upon themselves. We've seen some really cool stuff, and I know based on some future stuff I've seen that they have some really cool plans for that franchise moving forward as well. Uh, do they say if this was coming to Xbox also? I believe this one is. Okay. Yeah, I think I can confirm that. Um, let me just double. Yeah, I'm I'm like 99% sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this will be coming everywhere. So you guys can fact check that, but I'm pretty confident your boy can play with his shadow plushie and his shadow game over there on Xbox. Hey, uh, next up is a game that is just taking over the internet right now. Uh, not necessarily because people are excited about it, but because of the art style. Stellar Blade. This one coming from Korean developers. Uh, this was originally supposed to release on multiple consoles: Xbox, PlayStation, and PC, I believe. Now, I don't remember if it's still launching on PC, but it is definitely a PlayStation launch exclusive at this point. Um, PlayStation did help with some of the funding of this game and did cut the Xbox part out of this one. With that being said, it, the combat fluidity looks very nice in this. Um, some of the outfits may not be the first choice for some people. 
Um, but it is definitely a little bit on the skimpier side from Shift Up here from Korea. Uh, it's similar to what they're known for in some of their other games as well. With that being said, if you're looking for fluid combat, similar to the style that Nintendo players have with Bayonetta, this is definitely going to be one of those games in a very similar vein. And again, I think the best comparison is Bayonetta across the board on this one. Um, so very weird looking enemies. You have that very fluid combat. You have very similar, um, almost over-sexualized female as far as the main lead in this one. Um, but it is definitely a game that a lot of people have been looking forward to on the PlayStation console. And it's been shaky throughout time. Um, we've seen some stuff where trailers have not looked as clean as the original release, and then the graphics have gotten better, and then the combat and fluidity has kind of come together. Uh, and it seems like this one's going to land in a nice place overall. Um, but it's, yeah, it's still some question marks out there on this one as far as the developer is not quite proven yet. So there's still some room for them to prove themselves. And this could be the game that they do it with. Any other thoughts on Stellar Blade? I'll be honest. I actually missed this part of the uh, presentation, so I did not get a this chance. This is to a long it. one. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely on the longer side. Definitely a lot going on. A little bit of a look at the story as well as some of that combat, and I'm sure we'll see many, many more combat montages as this game gets closer to launch later this year. Uh, continuing, we got a few other ones. Again, not going to go through every one of these. Until Dawn was more of a horror game. We got quite a few horror games in this showcase, to be honest. Uh, this was one a number of people were looking forward to as well. Uh, v Rising also following that on the showcase floor. So we did get quite a bit of action as far as fluidity of combat mixed with horror in this particular showcase. Now, again, one of the big criticisms is that it was kind of lacking that first-party content that people do expect from a Sony, from a PlayStation. Uh, in the past, they've been known for games God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, you have Ghost of Tsushima out there. You have Resistance back a few years back. Um, they've definitely had some big first-party IP games, and it feels like heading into 2024, one of the biggest question marks for PlayStation is what are you releasing from the first-party side? And so far, it doesn't seem like they've really been able to answer that as of yet. We did see Death Stranding here. We did see a tease for a Kojima game that will come after Death Stranding for PlayStation. And again, I would assume it's PlayStation 6 at the earliest. Uh, with that being said, they did fill this one nicely with some third-party games. And when they do fill with third-party games, generally those do come to all platforms. But PlayStation did do a good job filling this one with quite a few exclusive third-party games as well to kind of fill some of those gaps left by first-party. Again, Stellar Blade will be a console launch exclusive, maybe a full console exclusive that never does leave the PlayStation platform. Rise of the Ronin in a similar situation as well. Now, again, a lot of the times it's deals. These could eventually come to a rival console like an Xbox, like a Nintendo Switch later down the line. But at least for now, both of those will be exclusives for PlayStation at launch. Uh, last but not least, we got a look at Zenless Zone Zero. Uh, this is another big grab for PlayStation, who currently has a really good relationship uh, with MiHoYo over there uh, from China, part of the PlayStation Hero Project, I believe they're in that particular project. Uh, with that being said, this is the developer of Genshin Impact, the developer of Honkai Star Rail. Very popular games on console, PC, and of course, mobile devices. Zenless Zone Zero is their new IP. A little bit more gun-based than some of the other ones we've seen in the past. Honkai definitely has some guns involved, as does Ancient Impact. Um, but this one definitely leaning more into kind of that technology, uh, futuristic gun IP. So we'll see how that one develops as it comes out. But if it's any bit like what we've seen with Honkai Star Rail and Genshin Impact, it is very likely going to be a hit when it drops later this year. 
With that being said, John, that about wraps up the PlayStation Showcase. I would give this one somewhere around a B, maybe B+. Uh, it was a little horror game heavy for me personally, and I know it was lacking in that first-party IP, but they did hit quite a few genres outside of horror as well, uh, and I feel like it kind of wraps itself together somewhere around a B for me. Yeah, I think a B is a solid grade for it. I think it's a great way for Sony to kick off the new year. Uh, you know, big titles out there. I think Death Stranding, uh, the the trailer for the new expansion, really hit home, and obviously that was, that was pretty much the anchor of the entire show. Uh, yeah, there were some pretty big announcements on there, but but that that one being the biggest and obviously the exclusive, uh, one of the exclusives, but probably one of the biggest exclusives to Sony uh, in the entire show. I think overall they did, they did a decent job. Um, you know, Sony's presentations can be funky sometimes, but I think overall they they they, they pulled this one off to start the new year uh, on the right foot. Agreed. Now, all eyes on Nintendo. Hopefully, that Nintendo Direct comes next week, as we have heard from Xbox. We have heard from PlayStation. Of course, PC, we're constantly hearing every day, it feels like, Mm -hmm. uh, with different developers launching on platforms like Steam. Uh, With that being said, mobile game devices are also a very big thing right now, from phones to those handheld PCs to those handheld devices like the Nintendo Switch. And at least based on rumors, this one coming from WCCFTech.com, a new PlayStation handheld powered by AMD, could be in early development. Uh, This would be compatible with both PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 titles, and it would differ from what we currently have for PlayStation with their cloud-only handheld. Uh, I think this is a giant market, John. Uh, I mean, we look at Nintendo Switch, obviously doing extremely big numbers. I think somewhere over 200 million in sales for that device. They're looking at launching a new Switch later this year. Um, But I do think there is more room for handheld expansion. Nintendo is not known for the... Uh, highest fidelity of graphics, let's say, uh, typically leaning more into that family-friendly crowd, typically leaning into this bubblier graphics, but nothing really super intense on a lot of the platforms. And if it is intense, it's generally driven by cloud on a Nintendo Switch as far as fully native. I think if PlayStation were to go this direction, we'd see something more like the PSP, like the PlayStation Vita, where they do lean more into that graphic intensity, uh, as well as using their IP. You got stuff like God of War, you have Horizon, you have all these ones we've mentioned before. It would be very easy to put some of those with a little bit more of a mobile spin or just making those PlayStation games playable on a mobile platform via streaming as well like we do have uh, with the current PlayStation mobile device. I feel like the mobile market is still untapped, even with Nintendo Switch out there, and I really think this would be a great move by PlayStation if they do move in this direction. So is this different from the PlayStation Portal? Yeah, this would be a full, I think, native handheld similar. Do you remember the PSP? I think that would probably be yeah. the best comparison for our viewers out there would be something along now, those lines. You know, Joey, I mean, not, not that we talked about whether they're going to have a conversation on this or not, but, I mean, I don't know. When I think handhelds and I think Sony, I think of missed opportunities. I feel like, you know, the, mm. their design is good, the idea is good, but it's executed poorly. Um, you know, the, the, the idea of the PSP is fantastic. It just feels like you know, they launched it and then it got neglected almost immediately by Sony. And I, I don't know, like when I think of, of legendary handhelds out there, obviously the Game Boy's up there, the evolution of the Game Boy uh, throughout the, the, the generations has to be thrown in there. I mean, even Sega and the Game Gear, Sega Game Gear, I believe, was the first portable color screen at 36-bit uh, and, and higher, 64-bit. On screen, yeah, it took six batteries and you got four hours of life out of it, but that was big. That was massive. And then when we start to think of like present day handhelds, 
Obviously, it goes back to Nintendo with the Switch. They are absolutely crushing, and that's Nintendo's bread and butter, it feels like. Um, but when it, but when I think PlayStation and Sony, I to me, I just instantly think missed opportunities and just all around, for lack of better terms, failure. Because you're trying to compete against Nintendo, and they failed to put a dent in, into Nintendo's market. You can argue that they're going after two very different types of gamers, Um but but again, you have to be able to to market your product properly in that sense. Like the portal looks cool, looks great, looks like a screen between two halves of a PS5 controller. But I look at that and go, look at all the different ways this $400 investment can break. And if I'm going to spend $400, I'm going to get a PlayStation 5. I'm not going to get a handheld PlayStation device. But that's just me. That's my take. I'm, I'm curious as to your take, Joey, when it comes to, to PlayStation handhelds. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great idea, but like you said, they've definitely had a uh, shaky foundation, per se, in the past. I love my PlayStation Portable, but it only lasted for, I felt like, two, three years or so before it stopped getting games. And I think that's really what you're alluding to here, is eventually that support just kind of died out. And part of that, I think, is competition with Nintendo. Part of it now, you also have the landscape of you're competing with Logitech, you're competing with Steam with the Steam Deck, you're competing with, um, what is it, Asus put one out, I think Xbox has is one. rumored to have some kind of thing as well, so you you have all these PC portables as well at this point, so you're not only competing with a Game Boy and a Sega Game Gear, you're competing with all of these PC runnable units, so if you're from the PlayStation side, and I mean, I, I think to some degree you can compare the Xbox console and the PlayStation 5 to PCs at this point, they're kind of like that lower or high low tier, lower mid tier, I would say somewhere. Um, the graphics card's pretty good in these suckers at this point as well. With that being said, you're going to have to move all that to mobile and you're going to have to compete with the PC side of things with Steam and the Nintendo side of things on the console side. So I think that's really where they're going to have to thread the needle here. I think it's doable though, right? Like, I mean, you're Sony. You have all of these TV and entertainment deals so you can make it a viable video player that, and again, you're competing with phones too. So it's difficult to thread the needle, but Sony definitely has the IPs there. They have the gaming experience. They have the movie cinematography experience that they could make some kind of entertainment handheld here that could stand up. But again, to your point, you're going to have to build the base there outside of just your PlayStation user base. How do you transfer them over to mobile? And then two, how do you keep them there for the long term when in the past we've been burned by things like the PSP, like the Vita uh, that didn't get their full lifespan really supported as well? Will be interesting. I definitely think this is not the last time we're going to hear about this. I definitely think there's one in development, and I would not be surprised uh, if we do see something from Xbox as well, in addition to that new Nintendo Switch that is heavily rumored and practically confirmed to be launching later this year in the fall. Anything else to say about the rumored PlayStation handheld, the state of play, or those free PlayStation Plus games, John? Nope. I just want to play Shadow the Hedgehog. That's all I want to do. Shadow the Hedgehog. Can't go wrong there. Is our plushie still there? Can he wait for the camera as we <laughs> segment he's, away? He's still oh, beautiful. Yeah, like, this is uh, why you guys should be live uh, here on Twitch. Uh, I know you all listen on the podcast version, but you're missing out on Shadow the Plushie over here. Come on, guys. Uh, moving over to the Xbox section, just a couple things to mention in this section this week. Uh, Xbox has introduced the Vapor Controller Collection. Uh, nothing super crazy about these. These are not new Elite controllers or anything like that. Purely new color schemes available in the design lab as well as available for pre-purchase. Uh, looking at some of these, for those here live with us on Twitch, that purple and blue one gives me some heavy Wildberry Pop-Tart vibes. Uh, the green one, definitely some Nickelodeon Slime vibes. 
Uh, I, I, I'm getting some of that from here. But I do like these overall. I like the color palette. I think they're some very unique colors, and I really like the, I don't know what you call that, like a smeared paint kind of design on these controllers? Yeah, so, so the one thing I do want to point out is that these color combinations are not unique. If you go back through Xbox's history of releasing controllers, these colors are often paired together. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the big thing here is that color swirl on the main body of the controller. The big thing here is, is maybe those solid colors are in different places from other uh, iterations of those same color combinations. I think they look great, and, and Joey, you hit the two that stand out to me also, the, the, the Wildberry Pop-Tart version and the Nickelodeon Slime, uh, I think look absolutely great. I was actually looking at the one on the far left, uh, which is like a pinkish purple with like a beige oh, in there. Yeah. Like, it, it looks cool. I, I personally think, you know, this is me being bougie, I think the beige is a little out of place in that. Like, I, I feel like, it, agree. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel like yeah. it just stands out a little too much, especially on the battery pack on the back. Uh, I, it, to me, it looks weird. It stands out in all the wrong ways. All the others look fine. All the others look absolutely incredible, except for the one on the far left. Ah, just not doing it for you. No. It's almost like um, it looks a little bit more gold even on the zoomed in picture. But, yeah, I definitely agree. It is not quite um, the color combination Ooh. I would have expected. Ooh, look at that animation Ooh. for the Wildberry Pop-Tart. Beautiful. Ah. It was a very wow. short 18-second video that did absolutely nothing. Yeah. I do not want... A little want bit of smoke here and there. It bada does bang, not make me want to buy these controllers at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up, and we'll see if you're buying into this one, we have a new head of the presidents of Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, Joanna Ferries over, is coming over originally... I, I mean, originally she was with the NFL. Then she moved into gaming. In the gaming side of things, she ran the Call of Duty League for a while and then eventually got promoted up as the head of Call of Duty of the franchise in general, uh, overlooking the annual releases of Call of Duty, the seasons, the league, pretty much everything Call of Duty fell under Joanna. Um, now she's moving over. Uh, a very different change of pace uh, from that annual release of Call of Duty to something that's a little bit more relaxed with their releases in Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, some games take years to release. Some games take months to release. Uh, some games like WoW get some regular patches, but we don't see big expansions until every other couple years, uh, generally speaking. It does seem like that cycle is starting to speed up. Uh, I don't think Joanna had an effect there. I think that's more Chris Metzen. Uh, with that being said, I think Joanna is going to bring a lot of experience to the table with Blizzard, but it is going to be a culture shift. And I think this is the biggest question mark for people. A lot of people love the way she works. A lot of people industry-wide from developers that have worked under her to executives that have worked with her to journalists that have talked with her uh, pretty much love Joanna as an executive and as someone leading the teams in the charge of kind of these game development studios. Now, with that being said, the Call of Duty franchise, like I was saying, the pacing is very, very different. And I think one thing that we as players look to Blizzard for is using that ultra creativity, is allowing the developers to have the time to be as fully creative as they can be. And to some degree, I think Blizzard has been given too much reign of creativity because they've slowed down the processes. We've think, seen things take longer than they should have. Uh, we've seen some things get approved that maybe should not have, and they should have been a little bit more stringently looked at. But we've seen that on the Call of Duty side of things as well. So for me, I am... Um, let's say optimistic about Joanna coming over. I, I think the positivity definitely makes me a little bit more 
uh, interested to see what she does. But again, that culture shift I, does make me nervous. I think there's a little bit of cautious optimism when it comes to that because I don't want to see Blizzard coming out and being forced to release things at a rate that we see Call of Duty. I don't want to see season passes and Nicki Minaj skins in World of Warcraft. <laughs> it's not really what I'm looking forward to. Um, so I'm hoping she's able to kind of change up that that um, uh, pacing a little bit. I'm trying not to crack up looking at John. Um, but the pacing definitely is a culture shift to say, and I'm curious to see how Joanna kind of fits into that over here as well. Oh, wow. That was a good laugh, sir. Good the, laugh. The, um, the Nicki, so what are your thoughts? The Nicki Minaj skin <laughs> in, in World of Warcraft uh, is is terrifying. Um, but it was funny because as soon as you said that, her song Everybody popped in my head, which was, which was fantastic. Um, yeah, so... Uh, as someone who's a Blizzard fanboy when it comes to their products, as someone who's played World of Warcraft for way too long in his life, for someone who has played pretty much every game in the Blizzard ecosystem, um, I like this hire, but Joey, you hit the nail on the head. The the three words that scare me is Call of Duty. Um, I, Call of Duty has become almost almost a meme. With how often it's released with little... Like, Joe, you and I trash EA Sports for this. Uh, their sports titles every year is like 98% the same game with a 2% facelift. It, it hardly ever changes. And, and Call of Duty, I feel like it's kind of starting to fall in that boat. And, you know, if if she has experience in, in that kind of world where... It's acceptable to charge full price for a Call of Duty remake, but not remake, uh, where you're solely focusing on multiplayer and battle passes that you have to purchase also after you purchase the full game. Um, to me, it's, it, it's a lot of red flags. Um, not as her as a person. It's her and Call of Duty. It's the Call of Duty part that freaks me out. Um, in her release to um, you know Blizzard employees, she talks about how she's a Diablo Four player. Great. Uh, that's I, I can think of several examples in my head that like it's like oh yeah, um, I also do this. I'm cool, right? It, it, to me, it's like it, it's I don't know. I I, I want to like this hire a lot, and I do like it. I think she's a great person. I think she has great experience. I think she's the perfect woman for this job. I, I, I just can't, I just can't get over the Call of Duty part of it, and 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 that's what I'm terrified of is Blizzard uh, becoming more Call of Duty esque, like you mentioned. Like I don't, I don't want to see a focus on battle passes. You know, that's part of the reason why Overwatch wasn't very successful. I don't want to see like World of Warcraft the way they do ba uh, a battle pass in game through the the trader uh or the 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 the, the uh, trader tent or whatever I can't remember what it's called but like to me that makes sense you play the game in game you do certain things you get coins uh in game to purchase in game cosmetics or mounts or whatever to me that is fine you shouldn't have to purchase something for $10 to get access to that to 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 have the right to earn those tiers. You're already paying $15 a month for a subscription. Um, and plus on top of that, you're paying 40 to 50 to 60 to 70 to 80 to 90 to a hundred dollars for an expansion based upon what version you're getting. 
I don't want to see that. Um, she can change my mind by saying one phrase and one phrase only. Actually, two words. Two words. Two words is all I want to hear, Joey. And my opinion is forever changed. I want to hear StarCraft 3. That's all I want to hear. And I'm set. I'm done. I'm good to go. Let's do it. I'll even do a battle pass. You're hearing it right now. I'll take everything back I just said. Give me StarCraft 3, throw a battle pass in it. I'm there. Simple as that. Um, I like the hire. It's the Call of Duty side of it that makes me nervous. I think we're going to get something StarCraft, but I think that was in the works before Joanna got there. So we'll see what ends up happening. Uh, a little bit of a quote here to mention, kind of along the same lines of what we're thinking here with Call of Duty. Joanna goes on to say, It is important to note that Call of Duty's way of waking up in the morning to deliver for players can often differ from the stunning games in Blizzard's realm, each with different gameplay experiences, communities that surround them, and requisite models of success. I've discussed this with the Blizzard leadership team, and I'm walking into this role with sensitivity to those dynamics. So again, it sounds like those discussions are already going on with Blizzard leadership. She is sensitive to those dynamics that are different from that go, go, go with Call of Duty versus that more, and again, I don't want to say relaxed atmosphere at Blizzard because there's definitely a lot going on, um, but it is delivered in a different way as opposed to those big annual releases. It's delivered more through expansions and through patches of their live service games. Now, uh, she also hopes to take Blizzard to new heights, and that is another line that makes me a little nervous. Like, I, I don't think it's meant maliciously. I'm sure it's just meant Blizzard does have potential that's untapped, and we have known that as players for years. But when I think higher heights, I'm going back to Call of Duty and how it's constantly on top of the sales charts. So that makes me a little anxious as well. Now, do I think she's going to come out and say, hey, World of Warcraft players, you're going to have to buy a battle pass now if you want these cosmetics. No, I mean, WoW players are already paying, what, 15 a month or something like that on general. Uh, you're not going to come out and ask them to pay another $10 to make that 25 a month. It's just absolutely absurd in my opinion. Do we see a Nicki Minaj skin in World of Warcraft? That could be more of a possibility. Stop <laughs> I'm it. kidding. Um, <laughs> hopefully we don't go that way. Um, but I do think this is going to be something where she needs to come in as a leader, but come in as a project manager who allows the people at Blizzard to develop the way they do. Now, maybe she puts a little bit more of a harder deadline on people. I don't want to see annual releases, um, but I do think there could be a little bit more pressure applied in certain areas. Uh, we saw it with the survival game, for example. Unfortunately, all those staff now let go, but the game was in development for six years and they were saying it needed at least two to three more years minimum. That is a very, very long time of development for a survival game. I mean, you're looking at 10-year games are like Starfield, Cyberpunk, uh, the God of War Ragnarok was quite a bit of time in development. Uh, the Last of Us 3 will definitely spend a lot of time in development. Uh, we're talking these big, big AAA titles and while I don't want to say that survival game was not going to be on that level of AAA, you don't see many survival games go to kind of that level of graphical design and built-in systems. Um, so I do think that was probably a pretty long design process for a game of that quality. And someone like Joanna could probably have come in and settled that down a little bit more. Unfortunately, she will not get the opportunity in that particular case. Um, but moving forward to some of the other unannounced projects, maybe something Starfield or Starcraft rather, um, I could see her kind of coming in, leading that development a little bit more mainstreamed. Um, we don't want to call of duty modern warfare three. Uh, we don't want a rush campaign, um, but I do think a little bit more stringency and direction in certain areas could be good for Blizzard. Now, with that being said, again, comes back to the creativity side of things. She cannot stunt the growth of the creatives over there, and I think that's going to be the fine line she walks between getting those development deadlines where they need to be, but still allowing for that full creativity that we see from Blizzard as well. 
And I think you mentioned too, I think Blizzard gamers are a different community of gamers. Uh, one, they're used to delays. They're used to things being pushed back. The thing is, and I think maybe gamers in, gen, in a larger sense, especially with the pandemic, have become a little bit more accepting with delays. Um, if you delay something in a reasonable time and you give an explanation and then you deliver on it, people are normally fine with it. Like, like 100%. Like, don't delay a World of Warcraft expansion and then give me Battle for Azeroth. Don't delay, you know, development on Overwatch and then overpromise on Overwatch 2 and then delay everything on Overwatch 2 and then just not deliver. Like, like you have to deliver. Like, like at the end of the day, if you're going to delay something, gamers understand. Like, we want the best experience. We want to be immersed into this universe that you're creating. And if that means we have to wait another four or five months, most gamers are fine. If it means we have to wait another year, yeah, it sucks. We can wait another year. But don't sit here and blow smoke up the gamer's tailpipe and <laughs> not deliver. Like, like and, that, and that's the thing with Call of Duty is I feel like Call of Duty has been overhyped for years. Yes, it's one of the most uh, the, the, the one of the best selling game franchises of all time. Whenever it's released that year, it's always in the top one, two, three, four games of, of, of the year for, for most sold games. I understand that. But it's also in the top one, two, or three games of the year with the most complaints, the most negative reviews. Like, like look, I know, I get it. At the end of the day, it's a, it's a business. You want to make money, and that's what you're doing. But at the expense of of the gamers and their frustration with your franchise. Joe, I'm going to be honest. Call of Duty lost me years ago. Years, years ago. Like, I'm talking 10-plus years ago. Uh, it doesn't get me excited anymore. Like, the multiplayer was fine. doesn't get me excited anymore. They have a hard time uh, pat uh, patrolling uh, cheaters and hackers in their multiplayer games. It doesn't excite me. Their campaigns are not unique. They're, they're not thoughtful. They're not out of the box. They're just rehashes of some some crazy story and they just swap out the russians with uh north koreans or uh w w with the chinese or, or whatever the political flavor of of the year is and it's the same story like it just to me it's just a whole bunch of nothing it's become an 80 dollar multiplayer game that you have to pay more money to actually unlock everything it has that's uh, no like don't do that to Blizzard titles. Don't overhype it. Just be straight up. Blizzard's done a great job in the past five years being really honest with gamers out there. That's part of the reason why when this last BlizzCon, Chris Metzen dropped the next three expansions in a row, like people were like, oh, oh, this is epic. And at the same time, people were like, okay, cool. We can actually hold them accountable. Like we know what's coming up. They're going to be this transparent with us. You know, maybe we need to give them a little slack here and, and understand like there, there's a change going on behind the scenes also. Like we get that as gamers. Just don't Call of Duty all of Blizzard. Don't Activision Blizzard. It was a bad marriage in the first place. Blizzard people hated Activision. Activision hated Blizzard. Just don't bring that same Activision toxicity to Blizzard. That, that's, that's all I'm asking. And it is worth saying that as soon as Microsoft, the purchase did go through, they did separate the two. Yeah. They pulled Blizzard apart from Activision. Now, again, there is some layover here with Ferris coming over into exactly. Blizzard. 
uh, as the new president. But with that being said, I do think the separation is there. She's a very successful executive. She's led phenomenal enterprises as far as uh, leadership capabilities from the NFL and major sports leagues over to gaming and done very well with Call of Duty. Again, some shaky things here and there. Now, John and I, um, I played Call of Duty competitively for a while. I have not really dove much into Call of Duty since then. I picked up Modern Warfare. I picked up another one. Uh, I personally think it peaked at Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare many, many years ago. With that being said, uh, I've still got some enjoyment out of Call of Duty here and there. Um, but it is worth noting, John and I are in the very, very heavy minority on this one. Yes. <laughs> Call of Duty, again, uh, while it does get its criticisms, like John mentioned, it does sell extremely well. Uh, almost every year it's number one in sales, if not number two. Um, it's just, it's an exceptionally well-selling game on all platforms, uh, now making a prominent return on PC as well recently. Uh, so not just on console, it is kind of continuing its sales up on PC now available on multiple areas there too. So, uh, we'll see how things continue to develop. I think Call of Duty does have a bright future, but it needs to, again, find a new grounding. Uh, it does feel like it's got repetitive. It does feel like it's got stale, uh, at least for John and I, maybe not for everyone else. Uh, but I feel if you look at social media at the very least, there are a number of people who do think it has gotten stale in certain areas. And again, hopefully that uh, I would call it that kind of like crunch culture, that aggressive sales culture of annual releases does not make its way over to Blizzard here with Joanna. Um, I am going to be, again, cautiously optimistic on this one. I've heard really great things about her. I've never met her personally. Um, but I do think she has the skill set to bring some areas to Blizzard, uh, especially when it comes to time sensitivity that need to be there. But again, not pushing that pedal in too hard. Okay, next up in the last bit in kind of our Xbox slash PC section here, uh, we have Pal World. It has become the biggest third-party Game Pass launch in the history of the service. Uh, really big there for Game Pass. That I think Game Pass has been around for, what, John, five years-ish now, I feel like. Uh, it's been probably about a handful. Uh, we've seen over 7 million players play the game on Xbox and Xbox on PC via the Microsoft Store uh, in the first 10 days. Phenomenal numbers. I mean, 7 million players is quite a few. Uh, and I'm sure a number of those have gone on to purchase the game as well. And Pal World in general is now at 19 million users as of yesterday um, between Steam and Xbox. Uh, again, that's the Xbox console as well as the Xbox um, store on PC, the Microsoft store rather, um, on PC in addition to Steam. So almost 20 million players so far coming through Pal World. Uh, and it also set the record as the most played third-party day one release via cloud gaming as well. Um, again, cloud gaming still not the widest of adopted things, um, but Pal World did set a nice little record there as well. Uh, John, I know you took me on your little base tour yesterday for your main base. I think uh, you have really put in quite some architectural work there with the other players you're playing with. Uh, some really cool stuff and some really good catches for your pals as well. Yeah, it's it's insane. Uh, <laughs> I did not know really what to expect going into this game, and it has been everything I've wanted and more. Uh, it, it's a refined version of Ark. It's a survival game. It's a base building game. It's a gather the resources game. Uh, it's a, for lack of better terms, catch, uh, air quotes, not Pokemon, and force them into working in your in your base to farm uh, stone or or ore or uh, wood or whatever. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can fly on them. You can ride on them uh, when you go on your journeys throughout the world. Uh, it's 
it's arc with knockoff Pokemon is what it is. And 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 really we really need to stop calling it a knockoff Pokemon, but I feel like it, it's just too hard not to. Uh it's way too many similarities. And I'm just waiting for Nintendo to send out the cease and desist at this point in time. Um but it's a lot of fun, Joey. Uh I've always been a big fan of base building, uh decorating it like the, playing the Sims growing up was was kind of my thing also. Love playing the Sims. Um and and this is just the Sims plus survival plus Pokemon, essentially. Uh love Pokemon, play Pokemon Yellow Forever, blue, green, uh yellow, obviously, all of you know, diamond and emerald and all of that stuff. Like there's just it's a great combination of a lot of games in one. And I think that's the reason why we're seeing these insane, crazy numbers is they've unlocked the secret formula is you take something as silly and goofy as uh, pocket monsters and you pair it up with survival games, which have always been pretty popular and base building games uh, and uh, add different elements of design in there too, and you're bringing in multiple, multiple fan bases or gamer bases into this one game. Uh, it, to me, it doesn't surprise that they're pulling in these kind of numbers. Um, I love how fast they're putting patches out. Uh, the game is buggy. The game is super buggy, especially if you play it on PC. It's a very, very buggy game. But they're pushing out patches like two, three times a week. Uh, that's impressive, and they're being very open about it. Yeah, hey, we know this is not working. Joey, when I first downloaded this game, there was no quit game button. <laughs> you could not quit the game unless you essentially control alt deleted and to get out of there. Uh, and and they fixed it within a couple days. Like, something as silly as that. Like, they're making those changes, and I think that's huge, uh, especially in the era of gamers accepting broken games on launch. The fact that they're so quick to push out patches... That's huge. Yeah, and I think you hit a lot of the hidden formula, right? Like survival games have always been extremely popular. I think one of the other things you started to skate over is Pokemon. Mm -hmm. People have been asking Pokemon and Game Freak for years to implement new things. And sure, we've gotten some new like boss Pokemon, and we've gotten some new region builds out, and we've gotten some new like, I don't know, expedition challenges or whatever they're called nowadays. So they have implemented a few little things here and there, but just not enough. And for Pal World to come out, give us similar battles to what we have in Pokemon to some degree, the ability to catch these pals, the ability to allow these pals to work with you is something we don't even see in Pokemon yet. So it's done a nice job of combining what Pokemon gives us, adding new elements in, and kind of combining it all together, like you said, with the survival elements of Ark. And on top of that, it's a healthy size map. I mean, there's decent, there's a decent amount of progression opportunities, a decent amount of biome diversity on the map. Uh, you do have boss battles mixed in there as well. You can catch humans in Pokeballs. We learned yesterday. Um, John successfully pulled in one of the um, what are they called? Syndicate. The little invader people. Syndicate. Yeah. yeah, there you go. John caught his first Syndicate thug. Does absolutely um, nothing though. <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of runs around and looks at you, and when you aim at them, they run around a little bit more. It's very interesting. Uh, but yeah, humans are catchable in this. Can you catch a human in Pokemon? Absolutely not. Uh, it's just it's very interesting how they've kind of taken some of these beloved genres and franchises and mashed them all together. And like John said, the patch frequency is also a big plus for them. Uh, the communication in general, even if it's not around patches, thanking players for giving feedback, thanking players for playing their game, saying, yes, we realize this would be a great area to build on. Thanks for that recommendation for a future patch. And I think they've done a really good job kind of interacting with people on social media 
And especially being a Japanese forward developer, they've done a really good job of branching out from Japan and interacting with people from Europe and people from America and all these other countries. And I feel like that's something we sometimes lack with these different Asian developers. Sometimes those coming out of Japan or China or South Korea don't necessarily make that extra approach to speak English or French or German. Uh, and Twitter definitely or X in this case, makes it a little bit easier with the translation function built in. Um, but we have seen a lot of those interactions. We've seen a lot of that effort being put forth in those interactions as well. So I think that's another reason. And last but not least, the price point. Uh, we're in a day and age where a lot of games are priced 70 to $80, it feels like nowadays. For this to drop at $30, and yes, it is still early access. It could get a bigger price tag later on down the road. Um, I think that is a huge win for gamers and for the game developers as well. They're coming out and saying, and again, they did not predict this amount of success, so take that as what it's worth. Um, but a $30 game in today's day and age makes it so much more accessible. Putting it on Game Pass on launch, also more accessible. You're pulling in 7 million players from Xbox and potentially Game Pass. You're making it $30 on Steam and on Xbox. So the accessibility is much more out there than a lot of these other games as well. Versus if I were to get a Pokemon title on Nintendo, I'm looking at $60 or $70 for potentially less features as well. So I think that is one thing uh, that is definitely played into their favor as well. So uh, a lot of great moves from Power World. As you said, John, those patches keep coming. I'm sure they'll have some pretty cool new features. And they've already given us a roadmap as well. Uh, another big win as far as community support uh, and showing that potential feedback and really just clear communication, something that I feel like other developers in the live service genre could really take some notes from. Okay, John, with that being said, uh, I think we'll put our pals back in the ball and head over to the multi-plat general gaming section before we wrap up today's show. Just a couple other multi-gaming things to hit here. Uh, we had some earning reports coming out. I'm just going to run through some quick highlights here. EA, live services accounted for 73% of annual net bookings. Uh, yes, John's FIFA Ultimate Team packs are funding EA at this point. I have not bought any packs. <laughs> I'm sorry. No. I knew you were going to say that. Um, but we do know people who buy plenty of packs. Um, but I think that is a very big number to discuss. Uh, looking at their sports games, EA Sports, FC, and Madden both exceeded expectations. Uh, they put in growth of 7 and 5% respectively. Uh, I think that's really big for EA Sports FC in particular. Uh, they did have that branding change moving from FIFA to EA Sports FC. It doesn't seem to have impacted. Uh, at the very least, they saw positive growth of 7%. So again, I think FIFA uh, overstepped their bounds with thinking their name was worth more than it was, uh, and EA showing why that customer, and again, they're not changing a ton game to game, but they do have that customer base already there, and they continue to attach to the EA version of the game. Uh, and again, the live services accounted for 73% of annual net bookings. Um, John, I think this just shows, and again, I could be wrong, I feel like eventually we're going to get to a point where we do see these sports games meeting services like Xbox Game Pass, like PS Plus earlier than they do. We've seen that shift start to come up a month or two ahead. I would not be surprised. I don't necessarily think we'll get these at launch, um, but I could see us getting closer to six months here in the next year or two uh, where these games do inch closer because once they're on there, once they're free, I'm downloading the game and I'm like, oh, I didn't pay $70 for this. Maybe I'll spend a little bit on Ultimate Team. Maybe I'll spend a few on some baseball packs here and there. Uh, it does feel like that is becoming a little bit of the sports genre, and we will talk about it a little bit later with MLB as well. Uh, but yeah, 73% of annual net bookings from those freaking live service games. Yeah, and I agree. I think with EA, with our sports titles, it's probably going to move to about the midway point of the season. And I really think mm -hmm. that's a smart way to do it. Like, if you want to play your favorite sport gaming title along with the current season, which a lot of people tend to do. Like they're getting hyped up for the season. MLB, the show's notorious for this. They get you hyped up spring training hits, you know, the game releases, 
right around the same time as opening day. Uh, you know, if they were to release it at the All-Star break, they would still get the All-Star break bump, you know, for essentially being the, the ceremonial halfway point of the season, and people would come like, oh, yeah, that's right. Wait a minute. Wasn't there that one game? Boom, Game Pass, it's on there. Or you take a look at it, and it's already discounted. So if you wanted to play the game halfway through the season, you can get it, and you can hop right in. And it's very forgiving to to players who join whenever, even at the very end of the game. It's very easy to build a team if you're into uh, playing ultimate team modes. Uh, same thing. I mean, I think it's a little bit harder with EA Sports FC and Madden uh, with, oh, wow, a rare T-SPAN sighting. Sorry, I just, I just saw him pop into chat. A little, little T-SPAN sighting in here. Oh, wow, T-SPANs. What up, buddy? Long time no see. Um, but, yeah, it, w- it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a shift towards midseason for those to go on a Game Pass or heavily discounted uh, go-around for those gaming titles. Yeah, and I feel like the discounts have been coming earlier this yeah. year. Like, FIFA was, like, I saw it at $13, at $19, at $25. Uh, it just keeps jumping around. I feel like those discounts, and some of them, again, I, I think all the platforms do this, but Xbox does a for you discount as well. So some of them, you can't tell what the actual discount is out there, um, but there are some little catered ones here and there. Um, probably because I keep seeing Holland on the cover and I keep looking at it and considering purchasing it, and then I don't. Uh, but I probably will pull the trigger on that one at some point. Anyway, uh, with that being said, again, seeing those discounts come earlier, I do think eventually. We see those go to services like an EA Play, like an Xbox Game Pass, like a PlayStation Plus uh, earlier than we have been in the past. And John, I think your midseason is probably a good starting point. I've heard rumors, and again, just rumors, that EA is considering the idea of dropping some of these titles at launch on these services, uh, similar to the success that MLB The Show has seen. But again, it's just internal tests at the moment. I don't know if it ever gets there, just because these games still make buku dollars on their sales as well. Now, again, 73% coming from live service bookings does tend to sway things like, hey, maybe we don't need that $60 up front, um, but I could still see them taking it up front and then three to six months later dropping it onto a service. Uh, Capcom continues to be amazing. Um, Capcom, if you look at anyone in the industry, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, EA, whoever you want to look at, no one has done as well as Capcom over the last decade. Their net sales rose 33%. Operating income jumped 43%. Again, huge raises there. They have record unit sales up to 32.6 million, up from 29.1 million. And they're on track to achieve, and this is incredible, 11 consecutive years of operating profit growth. I don't care what industry you're in. 11 consecutive years of operating profit growth is insane. If you want to look at anyone in the industry doing things well, especially in this time where we're seeing layoffs, I mean, layoffs from Microsoft, layoffs from PlayStation, layoffs from Embracer Group, layoffs all over the place, studios being shut down. Capcom continues to rise through all of that. They gave everyone raises last year. Their whole company got raises last year. Uh, It's just one of those things that Capcom is doing something very well, or we're not aware of something going on behind the scenes. Um, But yeah, the numbers keep rising. The sales keep rising. The employees' salaries keep rising. Uh, Who knows how sustainable this is, but at least for the last 10 years and potentially looking like 11 now, Capcom continues to rise. So I think there is something worth note there, um, especially in the day and age of acquisition targets. I think Capcom is a great acquisition target. I hope no one touches them just because they've done such a good job operating by themselves as a third party. Um, But they are one to watch in the acquisition space, but also one that I think some of these companies can look at and see all the things they're doing right right now and how that's continuing to grow for them. And then last but not least, Microsoft, this was their first quarter, including Activision, um, the 
Activision acquisition in their stuff. So that's Activision with Call of Duty, that's Blizzard, that's King on the mobile platform. Uh, these numbers are going to seem extremely inflated because of that, so just make note. Uh, Activision is a lot of the reason that we're seeing these big increases. Microsoft in and of itself did have increases without Activision, um, but Activision definitely supplementing the bulk of these. Gaming revenue is up 49%, and it has now surpassed Windows in quarterly revenue. Absolutely insane. Uh, making it Microsoft's third largest business segment currently behind cloud and Microsoft Office. Uh, Xbox content and services is up 61%. Xbox hardware revenue, however, not making the biggest jump. It's up 3% and did miss expectations a little bit there. Uh, it seems to be Xbox's Achilles heel right now, still having a really hard time selling hardware. Uh, I do have a theory on this, Sean, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I think losing the Xbox One generation was probably the worst generation they could have lost, and I think they were a little ahead of the times on certain things, like so many people buy digitally now, and Xbox One tried to push that a little bit early, so many people have all these subscribing or subscription services for streaming and Xbox One tried to push that a little bit early. Um, and I think one of the big things they lost in that generation was people on PlayStation 4 were able to build up their digital library and people on Xbox One built up theirs. But PlayStation 4, the numbers were so much heavier. And now looking back going into the next generation, PlayStation has extreme loyalty with their fans and their players, as does Xbox with the ones that stuck around. But I think losing a lot of those digital libraries up front is one of the reasons we're seeing a very hard time for people to kind of make their way to Xbox hardware. Maybe that shifts in the future. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but that's my personal theory of one of the big reasons we are seeing that hardware kind of lag behind. Last but not least, uh, they're up to 200 million monthly active users. Uh, the best comparison we have out there, I think PlayStation was around 150 million. Um, but again, this does include a lot of PC users as well here. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with the Xbox One generation. And one of the big things that sticks out to me uh, about losing that generation just, just in general um, was I really think the bad PR from its always online. Uh, issue um guys i hate to break it to you 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 turn your computer on it's always online you turn your xbox and your playstation 5 and your xbox series s and x on it's always online it's connected to the internet that's how you get updates i feel like the microsoft pr machine did a horrific job at explaining it um and like the idea itself wasn't foreign it was just not understood the idea of oh it's always on and you're also pushing uh the what was it the the connect or, or whatever oh the, yeah yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and oh well that's a camera that's got a microphone in it it's always on uh some foreign government's going to be able to hack in and listen to little timmy watching to to <laughs> watching blues clues like that, that, that's not what happened like it wasn't even close Microsoft did a horrible job in the PR department in defending the always-on idea, kind of like they did a horrible job at defending uh, a digital-only console, which Xbox Series S is selling like hotcakes. Like it's a great price point, and it's it, it's a digital-only console. Uh, just to throw that out there. Um, so I just feel like that generation Xbox learned a lot in the wrong ways. Um, so yeah, they were definitely ahead of their time. Their PR department's gotten a lot better now also that they can fend off these obscure attacks from the, oh, I don't want little Timmy's Xbox One always be online, but you also want him to play Fortnite and buy V-Bucks every other week. Tiffany? Yeah, I'm looking at you, Tiffany. Uh, yeah, so yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. 
I like that all these names for your examples are starting with T's tonight. Oh. Tiffany, Timmy. <laughs> Shadow. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what else comes. <laughs> Shadow, yeah, that one doesn't quite fit as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I think that's a really good point. And I think they were ahead of time with the always digital or the um, the push for digital, rather, let's say. And I think today, I don't know the exact number, but it's something around like 90% or so are digital sales compared to physical. And even physical, I mean, secret guys, uh, yes, you're getting a disc. But when you put that disc in, you still have to download the game yeah. because the disc is really just a key that unlocks the digital game. So I think that's one of the things that they were a little ahead of the time on. But again, as you said, the PR and the marketing behind it definitely weren't there. And as a result of that, you saw a lot of people go back to PlayStation, even after Sony kind of floundered a bit on the pricing of the PS3. But now there's all those digital libraries built up on the PlayStation 4. There's a lot of that customer loyalty built in. Yeah. And while Xbox is investing more in studios and we're seeing more games come out, and yes, there are question marks of some games possibly going third party here and there, um, I do think overall losing that digital library is one of the big factors here uh, that has continued to play in because people are more entrenched in that PlayStation 4 ecosystem and they're not as incentivized to move to Xbox hardware, uh, especially with games also releasing day one on um, PC as well. Now, again, as an Xbox hardware owner, I am personally a big fan. I think there's a lot of great features like quick resume, like the Xbox velocity architecture, like play anywhere. I love the ability to move from my PC to my Xbox and back and forth with the same save file. Um, that's something that they do have an advantage of. But again, at least for now, it does not seem to be enough to be moving that hardware needle. So I think that's one of the big question marks for Microsoft moving forward. Next up, John, the big mama monster Godzilla is stomping into Minecraft. Unfortunately, not the minus one edition of that movie that I absolutely loved last year. Um, but this is the Godzilla kind of in the monster verse version, uh, making his way over to Minecraft. Uh, we have a little bit of a trailer we can play here on Twitch. Um, but overall, this is something Minecraft does over and over with different IPs, uh, movie IPs, video game IPs, cartoon IPs. Uh, they'll just pull everything in and make partnerships. This is the next big one a lot of people are touting uh, as a pretty fun one to look forward to for the blocky builders in Minecraft uh, as Godzilla does stomp his way on over. And I like how they made this trailer to perfectly fit our overlay. So, like, there's no overlapping with our cameras or anything else. <laughs> it's perfect. Perfect. Thank you, Minecraft, for your excellent building in 16-bit. Uh, a little King Kong action, it looks like, here as well. So, again, it is... Uh, not the minus one. It is the full-on monster verse that sees all these big old kaijus coming on out. Um, but yeah, now available. If you guys want to dive into some Godzilla Minecraft action, go hop on in. Uh, John, over to you in the sports segment. MLB The Show 24 will feature your boy Vlad Jr. on the cover, set to launch on March 19th, and it will be available in Game Pass at launch. I'd imagine it's available on PS Plus at launch as well. Joey, there's going to be an early release, and I hate to say it, um, I'm probably buying the early release. Of course. Look. But you get some good stuff out of that, don't you? Get, you? Like yeah. for the ultimate packs or yeah, whatever? Yeah, you, you get a lot of stubs. You get some packs. Like, it's like 30 bucks for the for the early release. But they, they give it back to you uh, in, in what would be in-game purchases that actually cost more. Uh, so I, I think it's normally a good deal. And if, if you're a fan of baseball, like, you know, I have an unhealthy obsession with baseball, um, you know, and you enjoy a very good baseball simulation game like MLB The Show, you enjoy playing uh, Diamond Dynasty or you enjoy you know, player mode or, or whatever your mode of choice is, it's got everything. It's got everything. It's got seasonal passes that cost no additional money. Uh, and it's very easy to build your own team. The, the uh, marketplace, I think, is very fair. 
unless you're trying to find a Mike Trout card, then good luck. Um, but but nonetheless, I, I think they do a great job, and I think Vlad Jr. on the cover is huge. Vlad Jr. is a star of the younger baseball generation, really doing incredible things there in Toronto. I have a, I have a really big Toronto fan uh, friend that actually wants to trade Vlad, but we're not going to get into that. that. That is for a sports podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I love the fact that Vlad's on it. He's a big gamer himself. He enjoys playing MLB The Show. Um, I, I think he is a great ambassador for this title going into 2024. Things you love to hear. And again, as John mentioned, there is that early release as well. He was talking about the pre-order release, um, but the date also earlier as well. I think it's about two weeks earlier than it launched last year, if I remember correctly. It was somewhere around that early to mid-April range, now coming mid-March. So getting out there a little bit earlier. And again, uh, this is something we've seen MLB do quite a few times now, putting this game into a subscription service. Uh, this is the third year, I believe, on on Xbox Game Pass, the second year on PS Plus. Um, so it is done very well on there. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about with EA. When we see those live service transactions take a ton of profit income um, coming in through those, same idea here. It's not Ultimate Team, or it is. Do they call it Ultimate Team? What do they call it in the MLB? The Diamond show? Dynasty. Diamond Dynasty, that's yes, sir. Um, so Ultimate Team over on those EA games, Diamond Dynasty here with Sony's MLB The Show. Uh, it's one of those things that pulls in a ton of income. People are willing to pay for the game, sure, but if it's available on Game Pass, if it's available on PS Plus, uh, there is a very good chance that people like John and I are willing to spend more money on those microtransactions since we didn't just spend $60, $70, $80 on the game itself. Um, <clears throat> I think that's a huge successful model. And it seemed to work very well for them uh, when they put out the nice little, um, I don't know, I always call them banners from Gotcha Games, uh, but the big, nice promotions of unlocking different players throughout the season. Different people feel inclined to maybe put a little bit more action toward the stubs, toward those currencies, uh, to pull up some more chances for those players to open some more boosters. Uh, and that's something that MLB The Show has shown that it can be very consistent with. And again, I think it's noteworthy that, once again, they are choosing to launch on subscription services day one. Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, is if you're into Diamond Dynasty or Ultimate Team mode, um, the big difference from EA Sports is it's actually affordable. If you actually want to go out and buy a pack of 10 or a pack of 50, you're not going to break the bank. In, in EA sports games, you will break the bank. It's, I think it's like 99 cents for one pack, essentially, uh, in MLB The Show versus 279 per pack to EA, to, to EA FC, EA Sports FC. There we go. The title's always going to blow my mind. Yeah, it's EA Sports good. FC. And then, like, the more you buy, the more bonus, you know, uh, v, uh, not V-Bucks, um, stubs that you get to get other things, too. So, like, and they run promotions all the time. They give you 40% off, 50% off. Uh, they do discounted packs, promotional packs, limited edition packs that are recently priced. You're not going to have to pay 20 bucks for one pack. I mean, they do have some like really limited exclusive packs where you know it is a little bit more expensive. But if you play the game, you can get a ton of stubs. You don't have to spend a single penny in the aftermarket on microtransactions to be successful in that game. EA Sports FC, you it kind of feels like you have to spend a lot of money. Uh, even if you play this game every weekend, you have to spend a lot of money to to really get the team you need to get the chemistry and everything else. A lot easier in MLB The Show. 
Absolutely. So sports fans, keep an eye out for that one again, dropping on Game Pass and most likely PS Plus as well, as well as up for purchase on those particular stores March 19th. Uh, Last but not least, just one bit of other news for the show today, talking about a big release coming out tomorrow. That is Persona 3 Reload. We do have a trailer we can play for those live with us here on Twitch. It is dropping again February 2nd, currently sitting around a 90 out of 100 review score on Metacritic and OpenCritic, with 99% of critics recommending the game as well. Again, this is a remake of a previous game. Uh, Persona 3 did pretty well when it originally launched. Now, uh, a lot of people acclaiming this one and hailing this one as one of the best remakes of all time when it comes to gaming. Uh, A lot of people excited to dive into this one when it does launch tomorrow. Uh, And in the many, many hours ahead of these Persona games do take quite a few hours to get through. Um, But if you are a fan of JRPGs or wanting to dive into a JRPG to give it a try, this definitely looks like one to consider. And I believe it is on Game Pass on day one as well for the Game Pass subscribers on Xbox consoles and PC. Anything else you want to discuss on today's show, John? We did go a little bit more over than I was expecting to, um, but a lot of goodness. I mean, we were able to cover Blizzard versus Call of Duty, the PlayStation State of Play, uh, Godzilla in Minecraft, and so much more on today's episode. It wouldn't be level up if we don't blow past the time limit that we wanted to set for ourselves. Uh, that, I feel like that's been a... a, a a thing since episode consistent. one. We are consistent. It's like, oh yeah, we, we want to do 30 minute shows. Oh, you know, 45 minutes is more realistic. You know what? As long as it's under 90, we're fine. You know, we want to go back to 45. You know what? An hour is good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of those. One of those. Uh, no, Joe, I, I think those. I think great topics. I think we hit on a lot of great stuff. Um, hit on a lot of what the gaming community is talking about as well. Joe, I don't know about you. Uh, I might be loading up some Power Worlds after this because uh, I'm Ooh. excited to uh, possibly catch more humans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Good old Power World. Well, John, while you're loading Power World up, go ahead and load up our closing song. I don't want to. Nation, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Level Up Live. But before you go, make sure you follow the show here live on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please leave us a review. The Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and your podcatcher of choice. Just look us up, and we are there for you. We love to hear from our community. Leave us a review. Hit us up. Do whatever you need to do. But we love to hear from you and interact with our community. Joey, what are some of the ways that they can reach us? Absolutely, guys. Head over to social media. You can find us on Twitter slash X slash Facebook at OTN Media. You can also find us on Instagram and threads at OTN underscore media. Uh, Last but not least, come on over to Twitch. Hit us up with a Twitch Prime sub or more. Twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show typically broadcasts Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We try to put some other streams throughout the week. And last but not least, we mentioned at the top of the show, but please consider subscribing to Gamer Bytes as well. Uh, I don't have the link in front of me, and I probably should, uh, but you can find it pretty much on all of our social platforms as well as our website and Discord. Gamer Bytes is our weekly newsletter where we bring some of those hottest stories, some discussed here, some maybe not discussed here, uh, over to our readers directly in their inbox as well. All right. Make sure you tune in next week, Thursday, February 8th, as we continue to cover the latest and greatest in gaming news. Do your ears and eyes a favor. Hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up is ready for your entertainment and pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. Remember, be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, level Level up. up.